You're listening to Life Solved, the research podcast from the University of Portsmouth, where we explore how innovation and ideas can contribute to change in the world, from science to technology, economics and politics. This time, we're looking at the changing aspirations of women in Iran and the role of technology in causing this shift. You might have seen news reports in recent months of the violent demonstrations in Iran over women's rights. These protests were triggered by the death of a young woman who was arrested for not wearing her hijab to government standards. Our guest today explains how the potential for conflict like this has been simmering for some time. And what's more, she sees evidence for this in consumer trends and what women in Iran are buying. I believe whatever is going to happen in a society can be reflected on consumption. If you look at the consumption of Iranian women three years ago, you could have guessed if you don't relax the rules, then this is going to be the result of not relaxing the rules because they are fighters. They are ready to do whatever they want to do. Dr. Marsa Ghaffari is a senior lecturer in the Strategy, Marketing and Innovation Department within the Faculty of Business and Law here at the University of Portsmouth. Her research explores how societies like Iran, that are strongly guided by religion or state powers, can be impacted by consumerism and acts of defiance against the status quo. Marsa is Iranian by birth and originally came here as a student. But for both academic and political reasons, she now lives in the UK permanently. I came here just to do my master because it's one year master and then go back to Iran. But then everything has changed since then. When I was studying marketing, I found that, oh my God, the way that uh, study is being done here, the way they are promoting critical thinking is so much different from what is happening in Iran. And I really thought that just going back and doing mundane work that I'm doing in Iran is not enough. So I need to do something more. So that is why I studied my PhD. And then after that, the situation in Iran was completely different. And then the political situation, the economical situation, everything was, uh, let's say, completely out of the vision. So it wasn't something that I expected. And I couldn't really go back to Iran because there was no point me going back. I couldn't educate others. I couldn't work at university freely the way I wanted to teach students. I couldn't do my research the way I wanted to do it. So I thought maybe I can give my support to Iranian who are living in a country, but still be an outsider. To understand the shift that's taken place, we need a quick lesson in the history of Iran. Going back over 2,000 years, long before the Islamic Revolution. So Iran has 2,500 years of monarchy. In this monarchy system, we had this constitutional monarchy, but also we have autocracy as well. When the recent king became quite a dictator, Iranian couldn't tolerate that. And then that led to 1979 Islamic Revolution in Iran, which was led by very uh, open-minded clerics who were promoting Islam, but not the way we think about Islam. The way Islam can open the horizons, they can make people think outside the box. But what has happened, so after 1979, when this Islamic revolution happened, then everything changed. So people were hoping that democracy will win, but then instead they were again, you know, prisoned in this autocrat society. Whilst it's thought that the Islamic revolution ushered in some stricter and more punitive laws to Iran, Master says that for ordinary people living there, this is only half of the picture. 
Behind closed doors, their lives are very different and a lot more relaxed, in keeping with the way things were before the revolution. Iranians are having a duality in their lives, you know. So from one side, we have to oblige to the rules and Islamic rules of the society. But from the other side, because we were born and we were lived and raised in this liberal country, because we had 2,500 years of monarchy and we were a modernized society. So we want to practice that as well. So we have like duality in what they're what we are doing so yes we have to abide by the rules of the government but at the same time when we are at home we are drinking we are eating pork if we like but outside we cannot do this kind of stuff we are not wearing hijab when we are inside the house or traveling but when we are in public we have to do whatever the government is asking us to do so we are camouflaging to the situation we are living in really because we have an identity and we have something that was imposed on us are Iranians in the 21st century living a double life Technologies opened up new opportunities to connect with ideas across the wider world. This has meant that by sharing videos or information, individuals can form networks and they can see for themselves how people are living in other countries. Whilst internet restrictions are increasingly a challenge in Iran, at the time of recording, the World Wide Web is still available to citizens. All individuals in the world are not isolated anymore they are connected to this realm this metaverse is something that has happened you know is happening so we are not alone anymore that is why this idea that the structure is kind of imposing whatever it has on people and people are like puppets doing whatever the structure is asking them to do is no longer the case because we through this technology we change this equilibrium and people are super powerful these days because they are connected they are together for women this has been particularly transformative if the islamic revolution didn't bring the liberation they'd hoped for Marsa says this doesn't mean women will remain compliant. We wanted to be free, we wanted to exercise our autonomy, but what has happened is now we are banned to just do whatever we are asked to do and we cannot exercise our um agencies really. And this created the tension because again if you look at the history of Iran, women are always powerful. We had queen, you know, we, women are not passive consumers sitting in a house and then do whatever male or others are telling them to do. And then this created this tension. So they wanted to find ways to tell the society that no, we are not going to listen to what you are asking us to do. So for example, in the case of fashion clothing, you can see, yes, we are asked by the government to wear hijab, to follow the strict rules, but women are they listening to what the government is asking them to do? No, they are trying to find ways. Of course, they are wise enough not to go against the government very radically, but what they are doing, they are finding really subtle ways to challenge this status quo. Marsa calls these subtle ways ambidextrous practices. Keeping on the right side of the law and the morality police, known for enforcing Islamic dress code, but pushing back wherever they can get away with it. So for certain places, there would be some morality polices. And then if women want to go to those places, they will try to wear a proper hijab. They will try to button up their manteau, which is a long dress covering their body. 
adhering to Islamic rules. But in certain, for example, in posh areas or in very private areas in the capital city or in different cities, they can do whatever they want to do. They can try even sometimes in some places they can drink alcohol, which is banned in the country. But in terms of hijab, they can try to have loose scarf and then they do not button up their manteau. I know for you, it sounds a little bit, what was she talking about? Buttoning up manteau or, you know, wearing scarf. But Iranians are having, imagine, so a 16-year-old now through internet, she's seeing a girl in Paris and she's saying, why am I living like this? I want to live like the one who's living in Paris. What is happening? Am I stupid? Is there anything wrong with me? I'm a lady like she's a lady. So why why this is happening to me? And I think these are the questions these generations are asking themselves. And that is one of the reasons for these type of movements that's happening in Iran. Young women in particular, says Marsa, have the courage to question authority, which leads directly to the anti-government riots we've been seeing in the news. Yeah, so in September 2022, a younger 22-year-old girl, Masa Amini, was killed by morality police. She was arrested because of not wearing proper hijab. And then after she was killed by morality police, everyone, mainly young women, were on street. They were demonstrating. They were asking, what is happening? You know, they went on street for solidarity, for showing their disguise toward what is happening in Iran. And then later on, others, not necessarily generally, Generation Z, who ignited this revolution or this movement, but others joined this demonstration. And then women in other parts of the globe, they were supporting Iranians. And although I know that you have heard from the news that internet is not that great in Iran, which is right, especially because of this crackdown. So they are trying to shut down the internet or making the speed quite slow in order for people not to be able to record what is happening, to send it elsewhere. But yes, they are able because the technology is not something that can be suppressed, really. And then they can see that they, I mean, I believe that this is why they are not stopping their movement and they are continuing irrespective of all the stuff that's happening to them. So, yeah, I believe that they can see what is happening in Iran and this helps them feel like they are not alone and they carry on doing what they are doing. Marsa says that this may not even have been the first Iranian protest about women's rights. But it's significant because a video leaked on the internet allowed the rest of the world to see the depth of the issue. Momentum has built, and now other issues that Iranians have railed against in the past are adding to the current unrest. So rigged election rising the price of fuel, bad uh, economic situation. All of these resulted in dissatisfaction among Iranian. But this was triggered by Masamini's death when this innocent person was killed. Then people were like, what we are doing in this society? We don't have any future. We cannot buy whatever we want to buy because of sanctions. We have to pay a huge amount of money for something which was really, really cheap two, three days ago. Honestly, in a couple of days, everything will become expensive in Iran. And then now you're killing us. You're killing an innocent person for not covering their hair. So what is it happening in here? So they went on street, but that going on street, it wasn't just because of Masa Amini's death. That was the pinnacle of this anger and dissatisfaction, really. Coverage of the protests have attracted huge support for the rioters from people around the world. Master believes there are two reasons for this. 
One is vulnerability. So Iranians are vulnerable groups, especially Generation Z, who are leading this movement. They haven't done anything wrong. And people outside the world, they understand that they are less powerful and they are resourceless as well. That is why they are supporting them a lot. The other thing is they are talking about the same problem that every woman is facing in different parts of the globe, equality. So when female, younger generation, Generation Z women went on screen in Iran, they were talking about the stuff that is the concern of people in England, is the concern of people in America, concern of people in all around the world. doesn't matter whether it is a developed country or developing country. So I believe because of these two reasons, this movement is quite unique and attracted different attentions from different parts of the globe. Martha's own research is in marketing and creative advertising, and she's fascinated by the interplay between brands and consumerism in Iran. Brands are keen to support Iranian women, but she believes they need to avoid trying to impose their own ideas. Instead, they should be listening hard because Iranians know their situation better than anyone else, and they have ideas of their own. So, for example, if you look at fashion clothing in Iran, women, they had tried to relax these Islamic rules in Iran through certain practices, as I mentioned, these ambidextrous practices, or try to be engaged in stealthy defiance, really. So in one of my research, I looked at it, and one of the social activists, she mentioned that we are trying to use the same strategy as the government to tell them what we want. So, and I asked her for more explanation and she said, okay, black chador and which is black scarf, really long scarf is an ideal clothing for women in Iran based on these Islamic rules. I'm going to do the same thing. So she created a cause called White Wednesdays where females, they were wearing hijab, they were obeying the rules, they were doing whatever the Islamic government were asking them to do. But instead of wearing black scarf, they were wearing white scarf. So it was a sign of protest. It was a sign of showing their objection toward compulsory hijab, but within this Islamic rules. Mars's own findings from a study she did in 2019 suggests that looking closely at what consumers are choosing to buy can predict how aspects of that society will develop in the future. It was about how Iranian, in general, like consumers, retailers, designers, social activists, they are working together to relax the rules about this compulsory hijab. And they managed to relax some rules. So they were engaged in certain practices, some strategies to make some relaxation in the rules. And they were quite successful in doing so. But when I see what is happening in Iran right now, this tells me that, hey, so maybe if This shows us some things in a longitudinal way. If marketers, if uh, policymakers, the government are not responsive enough to what is happening in the consumer's mind, then they are going to see a sort of revolution. So I believe whatever is going to happen in a society can be reflected on consumption. So if you look at consumption of individuals in the UK, if you look at the consumption of Iranian women three years ago, you could have guessed if you don't relax the rules, then this is going to be the result of not relaxing the rules because they are fighters. They are ready to do whatever they want to do and they will show it in their consumption patterns. As events unfold in real time, it's difficult to predict how resistant movements will develop. But for researchers like Marsa, 
subtle changes in consumer trends may be signs of dramatic societal changes to come. Whereas the opportunity for women to express resistance to government regimes or state-enforced behaviour in public is limited to subtle choices such as clothing style, in the private sphere and home, a different Iran expresses itself. And in spite of state restrictions upon usage, the rise of internet use in recent decades has meant that in countries like Iran, the actions and voices of its citizens can be heard more widely on the global stage. And that in itself changes the status quo. To Marsa, although this is a worrying time, it is also an important moment for lasting social change. I think that even if it stops now, Iranian women and Iranian in general, they have already won this battle. Because now if you tell an outsider, do you see any difference between a person, a Generation Z, and do you see any difference between an Iranian government then they can differentiate between the government and Iranians. So people and government are different now, are seen as being different. So if just this one is the outcome of this movement, then I believe it's a small victory. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Life Solved. If you want to find out more about research at the University of Portsmouth, go to the website port.ac.uk forward slash research. We'll be back next Thursday with more. Catch you then.